to Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Becky. I'm Tash. And I'm Emma. Hi, girls. Hello. Hiya. Are you all okay? Yeah, yeah. good, thank you. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm excited for uh, my London Underground Part 2. Ooh, oh, yeah. I forgot that's what we were doing. Yeah. Underground. I think yeah. this is actually the episode i've enjoyed the most like research wise i've really really yeah. enjoyed it yeah found it really interesting because i really like history as well and there's quite a lot of history involved with it so yeah i've had a, i've had a good time oh that's the main thing isn't it that's what it's about because if we weren't enjoying it then oh, that would suck and what would be the point exactly yeah. that i enjoyed mine as well and it was really you'll see later it goes uh with the time with being nearly christmas Oh, Ooh. lovely. Um, Christmas murder? Yeah. You'll Nothing see. Cheerier. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've had a really exciting week, actually, because, uh, well, for us, not for you guys, because you guys have already been listening to this podcast for quite a while now, but we've only just published it. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Published it makes five sense. episodes yeah. this week. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we've uh, so we've managed to publish four episodes, so hopefully everybody's enjoying those. And uh, we've set up a Facebook page, we've set up an Instagram, and we have an email address. So if you want to follow us on Facebook, just look for Spine Chillers and Serial Killers podcast, and we will appear, our logo will appear, and you can uh, just follow us there and be updated whenever any new episodes come out and uh, we'll post photos and stuff on there and yeah hopefully it'll be a pretty fun page to be a part of tash your instagram yep we've also got an instagram page which is scsk underscore podcast um and i try and publish stories in keeping with when the um the episode's released and then also um for each episode i upload the videos and um sorry the pictures and uh stuff you may need to know um in keeping with the episode so that's quite fun and there'll be times when you can interact i'll put up like little polls or questions we might want to get some feedback from you guys or some questions that we can then incorporate into into the podcast so definitely keep an eye out and we want to hear from you so messages dms um it's all yeah, good it'll be fun to yeah it's yeah that's sort of part of the fun of it isn't it hearing other absolutely people's input so yes a hundred percent and bex yeah. you've got the email address sorted out yep yeah. so if any of you were always uh open to your own uh personal ghost stories or any like uh, of your local murders or anything that's not too mainstream or any inside information which is always interesting that we could maybe um, read out on the podcast. So the address, email address is chillers.killers.pod, P-O-D. So chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. I hope that's clear. (laughs) Brilliant. So, yeah, Yeah. we're on on stuff. We are on stuff. We're on stuff. Come and look Uh, at our stuff. Come and look at our stuff. very modern as well like how modern are we having all these 
different platforms. Do you remember when you had to text and like just to send the letter S, you had to like press the button three times, like three (laughs) times, like yeah. Now yeah. look at us. Who would have thought it? <laughs> uh, we're not on Twitter yet because none of us know how Twitter works. We're not so. that modern. <laughs> we're not that modern. <laughs> so I yeah. did have a Twitter account, but then had no friends on there, and oh, everyone on there was so angry. On Twitter, do you? <laughs> huh? You don't have friends on Twitter, do you? Well, you follow people, don't you? And no, they follow I, you back. Yeah, I think that's it. That probably just made my sound, self sound even older than what I I don't know. Am. I honestly, I've never been on Twitter ever before in my life. So I, I think I've got a Twitter account and yeah, same as you, Bex. Never really, I don't, I just don't understand it. No, so, me either. Well, I went um, on it and then I was just, I think it must have been the people that I was following was just really angry and shouting all the time and never happy. People are never happy. Mm. My understanding is that it's not as um, policed. I think it's very much freedom of speech, like within reason, more Mm. so than, say, like Twitter, uh, Instagram or Facebook is, I think. Facebook's terrible at the minute, isn't it? They're just like... I mean, you can't say boo to a ghost on there, can you? <laughs> no, it's terrible. I mean, personally, touch wood, I've never been in Facebook jail, but I've got a few friends who are constantly in Facebook jail for stuff that, honestly, is not that bad. But it's because people report them, isn't it? Oh, well, that, that's And I think certain words, um, certain words kind of get flagged up, and I think if you use them too much... But, like, quite innocent words as well, sometimes. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, but yes, Facebook, Instagram, email. Yes. That's our our stuff for now, so. Yeah, we'd totally love to to hear from everyone, and it'd be awesome. Yeah, it would. I'd be stoked to get some, like, personal ghost stories to read out on the podcast. So, yeah, definitely. Def, please do. Don't hesitate. And also, if you are just listening to our podcast or you've just discovered our podcast and you're enjoying our podcast, please could you share it um, yeah. just to help us get the word out because we're, we're a baby. We're just starting oh, off. We really yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah, we're totally independent and uh, we're, we all have rubbish computers and no microphones to record this. So. <laughs> The more the more people follow us, the more we might be able to invest in it and get better microphones, we'll have better sound, better content, and everyone will have a great time. Yeah. And um yeah, I was gonna say something and I've completely forgotten what it was. Sorry. Uh, no, it's gone. It's gone. Don't worry about it. It was something about sharing the podcast, helping us out. But I mean share and subscribe. Oh, yeah, rate, review, and subscribe, unless you don't like it, in which case, please don't rate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or you could put five stars. and re- Yeah, they could put five stars and put a horrible review, and then it'll just look sarcastic. So, and then it'll look like they do really like it, if you know yeah. what I mean, if they didn't. Aww. Oh, I was going to say, yes, we have absolutely no plans on going anywhere. Uh, You know, we are all in. This is what we are doing now. So, yeah, don't hesitate to share because uh, Spine Chillers and Serial Killers is here to motherfucking stay. (laughs) As long as there's murder and ghosts, we're doing this. (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) 
So, would you like me to start my story? Because it's my turn this week. Let's get on it. Mm-hmm. So, I'm on the Haunted Underground part two. Uh-huh. I thoroughly enjoyed this last week, so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yes, I think it's about as long as it was last week. And you know what? I reckon I could probably do a part three. I'm not going to. Because I think, you know, to, you need to know when to stop a good thing. But uh, the, the... but it's something we could revisit later later on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, hey, if anybody has ever been on the London Underground and anything spooky's happened to you, please email or Facebook message or DM on Instagram because we want to know about it. Yeah. Yes, we do. Please. Okay, I'm trying. See, I'm old school, so I print all my research out. But I've noticed on other podcasts that it's really annoying when you can hear me rustling my papers. So I'm going to be very, very careful <laughs> to minimise the rustle. I've never heard you rustle. No, me neither. Oh. I think between the rustling of my microphone and the rustling of my papers, I just want to punch myself in the face. Uh, <laughs> no, but we've sorted out the microphone, Russell, because I don't use a microphone anymore. Well, I do, but it's the integrated one on the computer. Uh, yeah, so now I've just got to be uber careful with my papers. So if there is paper, Russell, I'm sorry. Just, I'm just envisioning you now as like a news reporter, you know, when they're like at the end of the thing, dun, 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 and then they are like rustling all their papers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's it. This is it. Where it goes boop, 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 and then it like zooms out from it. Isn't that the talking <laughs> cock? No, no, they did, they had it on the news, didn't they? I remember oh, that. Oh, did they? <laughs> is it BBC when they zoom out? And it's like, I'm, I'm... I'm Rebecca, and that was BBC News at 10. And then it goes, boop, boop. You might be right. I clearly never watch the news. I get all my news from Facebook. Oh, yeah. yeah. So reliable. (laughs) (laughs) You're one of them, are you? (laughs) No, I listen to the radio, actually. Thank you. (laughs) Which one? Radio (laughs) 1. Do you ever feel a little bit sad and hungover and need to listen to Radio 2? (laughs) <laughs> no, but I can't listen to Radio 1 past about seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. It is too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever go out really early in the morning after you've come back in quite late at night with your music blaring and you're like having a good time, having a good Literally sing-song? Literally every and then single you... weekend when I work, like... <laughs> You get in uh, then the next day at half six and your music goes, Bleh! and you're like, no. That's my life. And I'm like, I was why not was I the so same aggressive person. that night? <laughs> yeah. mm. I'm not the same person I was yesterday. Let's go underground. So I'm going to talk about the Liverpool Street Station. And my sources for this station was mylondon.new, written by Martin Elvery, and secretlondon.com, written by Alex Landon. Lovely. Lovely. So shout out to them. Cheers, guys, yeah. for the good mm-hmm. info. We appreciate you. We do. We do. Staff at Liverpool Street Station are accustomed to otherworldly events and mysterious happenings. Many workers have spotted strange figures on the CCTV system in the dead of night. 
What is it with CCTV? They're, they're always picking up fucking weird shit. It's because it's so shit as well, isn't it? Like, it's not like HD CCTV, is it? It's always a bit patchy and a bit, like, not a clear video. Yeah, yeah really grainy. Yeah. Mm. If it was, like, HD, crystal clear quality, would it be as scary? Probably not. And we'd be able to identify the ghosts really easy. Yeah, well, I think it like... would. I think it would be more scary because the fact that it's all grainy and blurry and you can't really see what's going on, you're like, well, it's just really poor video quality. But if it was HD and perfect image, then you'd be like, well, there's no fucking explanation. That's a motherfucking ghost. But don't you yeah. think that would make it more like, okay, that's a ghost, whereas. And you'd know categorically, whereas when it's all grainy and patchy, you don't really know. Yeah, but that's that's not worse. That's better because oh, you don't can always... know, is it? <laughs> yeah, when well, it's yeah. in HD, I would never say, oh, look, there's a ghost. I'd be like, holy shit. No, why prefer there's a ghost. <laughs> knowing something? I know what you mean, but nah. Nah, I think an HD ghost would be scarier. So there was that, um, have you ever seen that video clip of um, the CCTV on one of the castles in England and they apparently caught Henry VIII, like, bursting out of a window and closing the shutters? Have you ever seen that one? Oh, no. no. That's quite creepy, to be fair, because it does look like it, like a translucid Henry VIII. Oh, um, it? Yeah, very creepy. Hey-ho. Uh, Google it, Tash. Find it later. I am going to. Is he like fit Henry VIII, like on the Tudors, or is it when no. he got a bit chubby towards the end? That famous portrait. Who is that actor? Oh, I don't know, but he's fine. I was going to say, <laughs> if ever you listen to this podcast, oh my god, you're gorgeous. Yeah, oh, we love you. Hey, babes. If you're ever in <laughs> France, pop in for for a croissant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Many workers have spotted strange figures on CCTV system in the dead of night and passengers have reported seeing a man in overalls pacing up and down the platforms. The station was rumoured to be built on a mass burial site. This is what we were saying last week, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Which is admittedly a bit cliché, unsettling, unsettle, unsettlingly, this turned out to be true. One particular spirit is said to still scare people riding the tube to this day by wandering the tunnels of Liverpool Street Station, screaming like crazy. I'm not a fan of the screaming ghosts. Nah, that's nah, like, I prefer the floaty like silent Myrtle. type. Like <laughs> Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> I'm Moaning Myrtle. The only <laughs> Harry Potter reference I will ever do. Oh, I think there'll be many more from me. I just think a ghost, seeing a ghost is terrifying enough. You don't have to, like, it, it's OTT. The screaming is OTT. Yeah. Don't make a noise about it, mate. We know you're there. Yeah. It's enough. It's enough. Yeah. You're already scaring the shit out of people. So that might be because the woman in question was known to be a little crazy, to put it mildly. Liverpool Street Station stands on the site of the old Bethlehem Royal Hospital, or Bedlam for short. 
It was founded in 1247 as a priory of St Mary of Bethlehem and the infirmary attached started treating mentally unwell patients in 1377. Is this where we get the saying, it's like Bedlam in here? Yes. Yeah. I think Bedlam would be a whole story by itself as well. I bet you could find some really good stuff from there. Oh, yes. I bet. Maybe I should look it up. Later, but yes, later Tash, I, ima- I, I can only imagine that's where it comes from. Okay. See, history, mm. knowledge. We're learning. Maybe yeah. I should tag this podcast as being educational. I think you should. <laughs> no, I'm not. Why not? <laughs> can you imagine people <laughs> thinking, oh, we're going to learn something? <laughs> no. The hospital later moved to a site nearby uh, at Moorfields, and it was here that it was nicknamed Bedlam. It was a cruel place where patients were mistreated. Members of the public could visit and even paid good money to see the patients perform obscene acts on one another. What? I know. Yeah. That, that sounds fucking horrendous. Bedlam like was what? Well. Hmm. All... Like sexual acts. Well, I imagine so. That's fucking weird. Things. Why are you going to watch that? It's people degrading, sick. isn't it? For some people like watching other people being degraded, aren't they? That's Horrible. weird. A power trip. Mm. So the woman whose spirit is believed to roam Liverpool Street Station was treated at Bedlam in the 1780s, according to David Brandon and Alan Brooks' Haunted Haunted London Underground book. She used to cling desperately to a small coin and would go bananas if anyone tried to steal it or take it off her. When she died, however, someone stole it from her and she was buried without it. That's so sad. Oh, bless her. Because, like, I've still got my cuddly, which is, like, my baby blanket from when I was a baby. Yeah. And I, I am being buried with it. And if somebody Aww. didn't bury me with it, I would be pissed. I would come back and do some haunting. <laughs> you would be wailing too. <laughs> I would. So desperate was she to get it back that she still walks the tunnels of Liverpool Street, screaming the place down. Whether you believe the story or not, there's a good reason for thinking the area around Bedlam could be haunted. Many mistreated patients would have drawn their last breath there throughout its history. A damning report on it in 1815, for example, found patients nearly or completely naked chained to the walls. One man, James Norris, had been confined in a restraining contraption for 14 years. What the fuck? I know. And inmates were regularly dunked in freezing water during the summer months and died afterwards. Oh, bless her. 14 years he was restrained. What the fuck? I just don't understand what they've done. He would have just wasted away, though, as well, if you're just restrained for that whole time and you can't move. It's terrible. What made them think, by dunking them in cold water, that had just help them in some way when has that ever helped anyone well it's like how did anybody think that sticking a massive ice pick through somebody's eye oh, socket that's was, weird isn't it was gonna like cure them of being uh homosexual or depressed or emotional you know it, 
It's ridiculous. I mean, if it does, sign me up. But I <laughs> don't think not. the research is working. <laughs> it, it, it does not, Tash. It does not. <laughs> in the basement, incontinent inmates lived in, in their own filth. And in the area around Liverpool Street Station, engineers working on the railways have found densely packed masses of bones from burial grounds in the area, some of which were medieval plague pits where victims of the disease were unceremoniously chucked. But in 2015, some 3,000 skeletons from the Bedlam burial grounds under Liverpool Liverpool Street were again dug up by archaeologists as part of the digs in preparations for Crossrail. So 3,000 people were buried from this bloody Bedlam hospital. It is, isn't it? It really is. So, back to the man in the overalls. A man in white overalls seemed to stand on the platform as if waiting for a train. In 2000, the man was spotted by Liverpool Street Station staff on CCTV after the station was closed to the public. A station worker went down to make sure there was nobody on on the platform, whilst being watched by a colleague on CCTV. The station worker who watched his colleague conduct the search on CCTV saw that the man in white overalls was standing right next to his workmate, unbeknown to him. When his colleague returned from the search, he said he saw nothing. After the worker monitoring the CCTV told him what he saw, the searcher went back down to the platform and still saw nothing. As he was about to go back upstairs, he saw a pair of white paper overalls on a bench. So, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, I'm just trying to digest that. So, Is he walking around naked now? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm taking from that. Yeah. I was like, someone else will say something. It doesn't have to be me that needs to say it. What I'm taking from this is, it's the invisible man. And he puts on the overalls and you can see him and then he takes them off and then he's walking around naked. Yeah, but nobody saw him naked. But yes. I'm not taking ghost from that. I'm taking superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) The the freaky thing is, though, as one guy was watching his mate on CCTV, he could clearly see this guy in the white overalls right next to his mate. Oh, I mean, yeah, the CCT thing, that that's mm, that's too much, isn't it? It is. And the fact that then the guy found white overalls on a bench means that, yes, it did. there was somebody there wearing white overalls. So why didn't the first guy see him? Yeah. Men don't always see things that are right in front of them, though. Yeah. I suppose. But this, he, is not, <laughs> he, he, he is not the only one that has seen... This no, 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 guy. I'm not discrediting them. I'm just, uh, this is all in jest. I completely believe them. Yeah, there are, you yeah. know, multiple people that have seen. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's weird. So now. Very strange. Very strange. Very strange. Uh, and now we're going to King's, King's Cross Station. Okay. I know this the, one. The sources for this one was LondonParanormal.com. Mm-hmm. So, the ghost of a modern young woman with long brown hair wearing jeans and a t-shirt has been seen multiple times. I find this one interesting because, for once, it's a modern-looking ghost. It's not the old, you know, dressed-up-in-Victorian clothes with a little bonnet. 
Um, Because if you think about it, why shouldn't we see more modern ghosts? Why do they all have to be from a certain era? I'd find it more believable if somebody said, oh, my house is haunted by this plumber called Dave, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Exactly. (laughs) So... Uh, The woman is heard screaming and crying with her arms outstretched. However, when passers-by come to comfort her, she disappears. In 1998, a man spotted the distressed lady and went to comfort her. On approaching her, he said he passed through her. Since then, others have reported spotting the distressed girl, while others have reported smelling smoke in the underground tunnels in the spot where the girl was first seen. In 1987, there was a horrific and devastating fire in the King's Cross Underground, starting when somebody dropped a lit match through the wooden escalator. So this fire killed 31 people. So it's possible that... I know. So it's possible that the young lady was one of the victims who tried to escape from the fire. A year after the tragedy, a woman saw said she saw a woman with outstretched arms screaming. But much as the story above, when she went to her, she simply disappeared. Mm. Yes, that was that 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 was really bad actually. Because what happened was somebody must have like lit a fag. You know, when back in the day when you could just smoke anywhere. Yeah. Little fag, drop their match. The escalators were made out of wood, which just blows my mind. Um, and so underneath the escalators... Hold on, escalators were made of wood? How? I don't know. I don't know. This is, It just said wooden escalator, so... Oh, oh that sounds terrifying. And what, if is ever, somebody at the it... bottom making them go round? <laughs> <laughs> what, running in a hamster wheel making it turn? <laughs> Well, like with a like a big wheel that they're just turning constantly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and and just in case, just in case, if we ever have American listeners, a fag is a cigarette. Because <laughs> it doesn't oh, mean the yes. same thing there. It's not a very nice word there. So, just in case. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, I should probably think about that a bit. Uh, I think that's so, the yeah. only one, though. I think I don't think there's any other words that mean something else. Well, I mean, all... loads of words mean. That. Well, Fanny, Fanny means bum in America. It does. <laughs> yes, and actually, uh, we just had a on the episode four that I just published, Becky. We were talking about being punched in the fanny. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds cheery. <laughs> oh yeah. So Fanny, oh. Fanny in English means the JJ. Yeah. <laughs> so it's worse to be punched in the fanny than it is to be punched in the bottom. Yeah. Why were yes. we talking about that? Because uh, we were talking about uh, Freya jumping into bed <laughs> and completely annihilating Ben's bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Why do kids always get the testes? Like, um, I can see her doing a run and jump and like soaring through the air straight and into the. And it's so funny when they do it, isn't it? <laughs> the thing was, and, though, 
we were fast asleep. I it didn't wake me up at all. <laughs> ben didn't make a sound, but he, well, said he was, he was in just... so much pain he couldn't even make a sound. No, it was like that. You know that silent scream <laughs> where you're screaming so much that actually yeah. no sound comes you're out. You're dead inside. Yeah. You're just, just like, like <gasps> laying on his side, rocking, <laughs> cradling. A lone tear just drips down his face. <laughs> That's exactly what you said on the podcast, uh, on the podcast four, <laughs> actually, about the lone tear. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope oh, your testicles well. are all right now, Ben. They're fine now. <laughs> the, the swelling's gone. <laughs> but uh, yes, that's why we were talking about being punched in the fanny. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Right. Uh, on that note. bank station so oh no i was talking about the fire wasn't i what basically happened is somebody had thrown a match um and it had gone through the escalator and it started a fire at the bottom of the escalator and nobody really knew what to do nobody could access it because it was underneath the escalator uh nobody had really been trained because there'd never been a fire in the underground so you know, they were kind of complete, complacent about it. Um, they couldn't reach it with a fire extinguisher. So nobody really did anything. Uh, and then the fire department got here, got there and started to try and put it out. But by then, like all the t- smoke that had bellowed up and the, it, it, it had all like started he- heating the multiple layers of paint that was on the ceilings over the years. They were like, five six seven god knows how many layers of paint um and that had some kind of weird chemical reaction and it basically just made this massive fireball that just shot out and uh killed like 31 people blimey i know yeah even though like people have been saying for years that all the paint all those layers of paint was a massive fire hazard and whatnot and nobody had listened and yeah as per usual. Thing is, like in the well, it takes a you're trapped. Yeah. How, you can't go anywhere. Yeah. What do what you mean nightmare. you can't go anywhere? Like you're kind of stuck underground. If they were at the bottom of the escalator, and you can't get out, you'd have to go to a different station. So you'd have to go through the tunnel to get out, wouldn't you? A lot of people did get rescued by getting on a train and going to another station or going up another escalator or I I didn't really understand it or walking through the tube and going up another escalator. But I think it was the people that were in the ticket office that that's where the flame, the fireball went. And that's that's, so all the people in the ticket office died. Uh, Oh, dear. Yeah, it's very, very sad. Was it like a big flashback thing where the like a wave of it? Yeah, yeah. Like, just all of a sudden there was a shit ton of fire that came out of nowhere. Oh like, one minute they had it under control and the next minute everybody's burning alive, you know? Bloody oh. hell. Yeah, not not fun. So, yes, no. that's what that's what they think this poor young woman went through and is why she's still there haunting King's Cross Station. Okay, Bank Station. Sources for this one is BuzzFeed.com. Who doesn't love BuzzFeed? Oh, I love BuzzFeed. Everybody loves BuzzFeed. Mm. Uh, And this is written by Becky Barneycote. Big up, Um, Becky. Big up, Becky. And Paranorms.com, written by Les Hewitt. Hi, Les. 
So this Hi. is the bank bank station. <laughs> Cliff Archib- Cliff Archibald was in his office checking the CCTV again with the CCTV. Sorry, That's is this a very someone's posh job? Name, but or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean yes, there must be people. What checking they literally the just sit there watching it? Yeah, like security people. I don't know. Oh yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> security people. That man's name's so posh. Archibald. Yeah. Oh, it's just Archie, isn't it? Cl- no, it's his last name, Cliff. His first name's Cliff. Oh. Mm. Clifford Archibald. That is a posh name. Anyway, he's in his office checking the CCTV after he'd closed Bank Station for the night. At 2am, he spotted an old lady standing in a long corridor. Now, fuck that. (laughs) Old ladies do not have any business being in long corridors at 2am. Uh-uh. So he went to find out what was going on. Why would you do that? Why? I wouldn't do that. Well, it's literally his job to go and do that, I would assume. Yeah, but still, I wouldn't do it. Wow. It's like in horror films where they go, is anybody there? Hello? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he went to find out what was going on, and when he saw the woman, she turned and walked away. Rude. I know. (laughs) (laughs) He ran ran to catch her, but she turned a corner, and when he reached it, she disappeared. (laughs) This wasn't the first sighting of an old woman in bank. Sarah Whitehead was a nun who was said to have been heartbroken when her brother was executed in 1811. She used to wander the area looking for him and the story goes that she was buried in a grave where Bank Station now stands. Legend has it that the Bank of England, so Bank Station gets its name because it's near or under the Bank of England. Okay. Fun fact. So, legend has it that the Bank of England is haunted by an apparition best known as the Black Nun. The true identity of this nun is said to be one Sarah Whitehead. She had a brother called Paul, who was a member of the esteemed bank staff in the early 1800s. Paul had quite a privileged job inside the cashier's office until the beginning of November 1811. This was the day that Paul was charged with forgery. The following year, Whitehead was sent for trial at the Old Bailey and guilty verdict was returned. Paul Whitehead was sentenced to death and hanged. Bit much. Well, fraud, you're in prison a long time, longer than murder a lot of the time. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't like being stolen from. Oh. Does sound harsh, though. Death. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit much, isn't it? It what is. year was this? What year was this in? Did you say eighteen eleven? Oh, they were harsh about then. Yeah, they were. Didn't fuck about then. No. So, for the bank and its employees, this was a matter that had been resolved and almost forgotten. The staff there seemed almost surprised to discover Whitehead's sister turn up on their doorstep one day and ask to see her brother. Not wishing to hurt her feelings, one clerk at the bank told her that Paul was away on bank business. When oh, she reta- they just lied. Oh, yeah, they just lied. When she returned the following day, she was told precisely the same thing. The subsequent day to that, one yields the, yielded the same results. Each time Sarah Whitehead turned up at the bank, she was always dressed in the same style, a long black dress with a matching full-face veil, so it did tend to make the staff and the customers a little uneasy. 
One time that she turned up and asked one member of staff where her brother was, he revealed his fate by accident. The shock on hearing this development had a significant negative impact on the poor woman. Learning of his fate was bad enough, but being kept in the dark for a substantial amount of time just made a bad situation worse. I do think that's muggy. I think they would have been better off just telling her. They should have told her. Absolutely. Surely she would have been informed anyway. That's weird. Maybe she was away when it happened. Sarah's grief took on a disturbing turn. Once again, she turned up at the bank in identical attire and requested to see her brother. Something about her appearance seemed much more intense. Clearly, she was in denial over what she had. Hold on, was she already dead? No, 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 she's alive. So she oh, wasn't I was going as the ghost. she was already dead. Yeah, I thought it was just this ghost turning up every day. No, 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 this is when she was alive. Also, wouldn't she wear the same thing every day? She's a nun. Don't nuns wear the same clothes every day? Mm. Didn't everyone wear yes. everything the same all the time? Probably. Sorry, we're really questioning you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> Emma, weren't you there? <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I failed. I failed. And then when you said, when you said um, she's not dead yet, I was like, oh, so she does die. But then I was like, oh, it's in 18-something. Of course she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's a ghost story, so. Oh. Sorry, is that what we're doing here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. Have you two quite finished? (laughs) Sorry. Oh, bloody hell. How am I supposed to keep my place? I know. I'm sorry. You need to use like a ruler. (laughs) If you you used um, a Word document like me, you could just put your mouse on where you were at when you stopped reading. Yeah, but then I'm worried that I'm going to press the wrong button and stop recording. Uh, yeah yeah i do panic and have to keep checking (laughs) um okay so she's in denial and she keeps going back to the bank even though they've told her uh that her brother's been executed and she keeps going back to the bank saying where's my brother that's a little bit uneasy isn't it Mm. while her more stringent persistence unnerved people even more than before. Even from behind the veil, some reckon that Sarah Whitehead was descending into madness. It is believed that the governor of the bank decided to offer her a compromise, provided that she not enter the bank for the rest of her life. Sarah Whitehead would receive a stipend. I had to look what a stipend was, and it's basically just a sum of money. Okay. So she would receive uh, some money as a means of compensation for the death of her brother and whatever grief the inconvenience of not being informed had on her. Sarah agreed to this and kept her word. For the rest of her life, she didn't bother the bank or its employees. When the Bank of England discovered that the wronged woman had passed on, they generously offered to intern her remains in a plot behind the bank itself. Okay. Could this have been the worst thing that they could have done to her? Now, not bound to the contract made when she was alive, Sarah Whitehead's spirit found itself free to roam within the grounds of the famed institution. For the next couple of centuries, countless reports of the woman in dark clothes asking random passers-by if they have seen her brother anywhere have been made. I think this is the freakiest one. This is the one that would scare me the most. Okay, it's weird, isn't it? 
Not far away from the Bank of England building is its namesake underground station, Bank Station. A ghostly apparition of a woman dressed all in black has been seen there as well. Commuters that haven't seen anyone lurking within the passageways of the station have experienced the next best thing, overwhelming feelings of despondency and apprehension. Moans and wails along the platforms... Bank Underground Station has a dark history all of its own, originally built on the pits of the Great Plague. Again, with the plague pits, mm. man. The plague was a big part of history. I put, so the, plague, the plague was everywhere, wasn't it? It killed like 60% of Europe's population. Yeah, yeah. It became one of the numerous safe points utilised in the Second World War during air raid warnings. In 1941, a German bomb fell on it and cost 19 civilians their lives. Did these victims find a kindred spirit with another spirit? A more notorious one? As well as sightings of the black nuns, some have complained of a putrid smell wafting through the tunnels. Which could be explained by the fact that it's on a plain plague pit. Okay, so the next station is Aldgate Station. And my sources for this one was mylondon.new, written by Kazim Parasha. So, this is a short one, this one. So, below Aldgate Station is what was once... Can you guess what it was? Uh, an asylum or something. A burial. No, a burial. No. What? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a plague pit. <laughs> So, below Aldergate Station is what was once a plague pit, home to countless bodies. There are so many sightings here, the station allegedly has a ghost logbook dedicated to the supernatural situations unfolding at the station. Ooh. I would love to see that book, like, give my left bollock if I had bollocks. <laughs> uh, one of the most... All right. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I'd really like to see that book. <laughs> That's what I was trying to emphasize. Uh, it was just really most... serious and really all in. Like, there was no in-between. It was nothing or bollock. <laughs> <laughs> nothing or bollock. <laughs> That might be the, that might be on the title of this episode, Bex. <laughs> so one of the most famous uh, is an elderly ghost who may have even saved a life. Ooh. A worker was reported to have fallen from a height onto the live electrical Ooh. rail at the station. That is unfortunate. Yeah, and survived. It is, and he survived. Ooh. And it's some. What was that? Me, I went woohoo. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you went, woo. <laughs> <laughs> so scary. <laughs> he survived. <laughs> what? Woo. <laughs> we died. We're really into it. We've already given our left bollock, Emma. We're, we're balls deep in this. <laughs> you know, it should actually be called balls or nothing. Balls or nothing. Balls or nothing. Yeah. Um, so, so this guy should have died because he was thrown onto the electrical line, the rail, and I, I think it's something oh, like dear. twenty thousand volts that he got hit with, which is Bless like him. redonkulous. Witnesses oh. say there was yes. 
Witnesses say there was a ghostly figure stroking his hair on the ground as he lay I injured. Why he was going to stroke? <laughs> <laughs> I added, I added hair because it actually says she was just stroking him. <laughs> and you two are filthy. So it's I knew where that was going. We, it was because of a prior conversation that my mind went there. Of course it was. It wasn't. You're just (laughs) filthy. (laughs) So she was stroking him on the ground as he lay injured. (laughs) She's been dubbed the ghostly angel or the elderly angel ever since. The elderly angel. I mean, that's just fucking... (laughs) Ghostly angel's like... uh... Poetic, right. isn't it? But yeah. elderly angel. <laughs> you know old Angela, the elderly angel. <laughs> oh, dear me. Right, oh. we're off to the next station now. Come on, we can get through this, girls. <laughs> One hour and six minutes, minutes, minutes Sorry, minutes, how minutes. have we not done that yet? <laughs> <laughs> okay we're on the next station now that was a very convincing train sound (laughs) we were so in sync as well (laughs) so the elephant and castle station i know it oh do you yeah well you know you know stuff i'm a (laughs) i'm a young hip woman who sometimes goes to train stations (laughs) And the Elephant and Castle Station. Yeah, it's a nice one. It's nice. Cool. Cool. Sources, eastlondonhistory.co.uk, written by Malcolm Oakley. And this cracked me up. My other source was shadyoldlady.com. <laughs> <laughs> Is she related to the elderly angel? <laughs> oh, did, I love uh, it. Did, did I create that website? <laughs> <laughs> shadyoldlady.com Okay, although there haven't been any reports of particularly tragic incidents at Elephant and Castle, there have still been plenty of ghostly sightings and sounds reported by both passengers and station staff. When it closed, staff has heard the sounds of someone running along a platform, along with doors opening mysteriously and odd tapping noises. There has also been a lot of reports of a ghost of a young woman who gets on the train before vanishing as it pulls away from the platform. What okay. follows is what follows is a genuine testimony from an H2G2 researcher a tube driver on the london underground he's actually seen the ghost but didn't appear to be all that impressed (laughs) (sighs) twas around six of the evening at a bakerloo line underground station about a week ago i was in pursuit of my duties as an employee of london underground northern line and i should apologize to all who are condemned to this line not my fault really hey hey Banter. So I what? Ju- <laughs> Is that what he said? Was that part of the quote? Yeah. And who He's... says six of the evening? What are we <laughs> fucking just say it was six o'clock? Six of the evening. He also started twas. <laughs> twas. <laughs> Alright. We stop being so judgy. Let the poor guy talk. I'm sure he's a great guy. 
He is a great guy. <laughs> I'm going to start telling time like that now. Uh, <laughs> what time is it? Okay. Oh, it was, it was six of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> and what did he say at the end? I can't even remember what he said at the beginning now. He said something like, Ari, or something like that. Oh, he was, he he was apologising, wasn't he? He was apologising that it wasn't his fault that this line is shit. I mean... All right. Thanks, we appreciate you, my man. Right, there we go. Can I continue No one was now? blaming him. Please no one do. said it's your fault that you, this line's shit. No. <laughs> Why is he so offended no, before know. anyone said anything? He's <laughs> really defensive, isn't he? What yeah. is? You're attacking him. Only because he's really over, over well, the top to me. I'm listen to this audio with my horrible laugh at the moment as well. Can I continue? Please, Emma, because hysteria is kicking in. For the yeah. love of God, just continue. Okay. So I joined the train at the terminus of Elephant and Castle and walked forward to the front of the train with a view to travelling with the driver. At this point, the driver had not yet arrived, so I put my bag down and moved to the rear door to wait for him. While I am waiting, a girl gets into the carriage. She walks straight through the carriage and I have to move aside, making some muttered apology. I sort of had to do this since I was in uniform. He's he's such a dick. I had to (laughs) apologise. God, is this how old is he? Because I feel this is how old men think. No, I feel like he's young. What's his name? No idea. Oh, I don't know. So I'll stop interrupting now. <laughs> Go on. A minute or so later, the driver turns up, and we move. <laughs> God, are you okay? I can hear Becky trying to keep the laughing. I turned my face away so it wouldn't bother my microphones on my headphones, isn't it? Why are we, why are we being so horrible to it? I don't know. I really want Emma to finish the story as well. He's just got attitude and it's pissing me off. He's really woke. No, <laughs> he really has got attitude. <gasps> Please continue. Does <laughs> <laughs> she go no again? Idea. No, oh, no, she's yet. still there. Right. <laughs> A minute or so later, the driver turns up and we move towards the front of the train. I notice that the girl is not in the carriage and this is rather... Oh, and this is a rather immediate cause for concern. She could not have left the train without passing me. I had a full view of the carriage and the platform at the time. My reaction was to inform the driver. The only place she could have gone was to have walked down the tunnel. Not really what we want. The driver's response was unusual. Oh, her? We hear about her all the time. She's even been in the papers. Lovely. My first real ghost is a media celebrity, and it must be said, a very, very boring one indeed. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this man? I I I know why he didn't put his name to his quote because well he's just very negative about the whole thing, isn't he? Well, he was he was underwhelmed. That's he was just underwhelmed. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm blowing my nose. Please See, do. giggles, giggles make me snotty. Oh yeah, I remember you saying so weird. <sighs> oh, he right. was so dramatic and over the top, but then also underwhelmed by a go- a ghost. Something that yeah. would overwhelm many people. I don't know. Not my type of person. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, I can't. I can't. I bet he's really. He would arrogant. give a left bollock for anything. Yeah. <laughs> right, you two. I bet he says like stuff like "your miss" to girls. Your what? Your miss. Your miss. You know, yo miss. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. But like, he's a. Uh, I don't know. I'm seeing him as an older man, just like really fuddy duddy and thinking the world revolves around him. Yeah, in my mind, he kind of is the kind of person that looks at you and says, "Oh, you should smile more. You'd be prettier." Yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing that, but I think he's a young version of that old man. Oh, I don't know. No, I'm seeing him rather, like, slightly overweight, mid-60s. White. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100% white. 100%. If someone could be 1,000% white, that would be that man. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Left. Ooh, bring it Ooh. out the <laughs> No, you didn't. I am here all night. Right, <laughs> girls, it's been an hour, 15 minutes, oh, no. and Becky, Becky has not done her story yet. Right, come on, Bex, it's over to you, doll. I think Emma's finished it. Yeah. Oh. No? Oh, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. All right. <laughs> you didn't say it, and that's it. Woo! You didn't end your story because we kept interrupting you, Emma. Well, it's just because you got so bitchy about that poor man. <laughs> you got to admit, he was just a dick. I don't know. I wasn't kidding. Oh, my maybe. God. Tash is dying. Tash is literally going to die. Literally. Maybe, actually, our anger is misplaced and it was Emma's portrayal of this person. I don't know. Yeah, the maybe words. I just didn't read it. Right. Six of the evening. <laughs> six uh, of the evening. What a twat. <laughs> right. So, depending on when this when this podcast actually goes out, depends whether this will actually be timely in the way that I'm going to start it. Because um, I've started it by saying Christmas is just round the corner. <laughs> But if we don't release this until January or March, it probably won't sound as good. March! (laughs) (laughs) January or February. Forgot about that month. (laughs) Fuck February, it's a shit month. (laughs) Literally my birthday month, but hey. That's the only good thing it's got about it, Tash. And and hold on, and Becky's child's birthday month, but hey, who Yeah. But okay, well, I do agree that with fuck February, but you were so angry at February then, Emma. <laughs> fuck February. is <laughs> like the most depressing month of the year. No, I, I think, think January is. Oh, I no, think January is pretty depressing, but February, you're kind of well into really manky weather, but it's not but February's quite... short, so it happens quicker. 
It's only three days short. Three days, and that's the difference. It's fucking cold, it's wet, everything's muddy and dirty, everybody's had enough. It's shit. Mm. We'll probably right. be in the, like the sixth wave of fucking COVID. Oh, that fucking <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah l- anyway. <laughs> I don't know why I got angry at February. I do. You're <laughs> so angry. Yeah. Right. Um, well, so I'll just read this and we can just enjoy it as the time is now. It, it is mid December. Christmas is next week. So we can enjoy it as it is now. And, and the listeners will just probably feel a little bit depressed with the first. Is Christmas really next week? 10 yeah. days or so, isn't it? It's next next Saturday. So it's not, it's not Saturday. Saturday coming. It's a Saturday after. Yeah, it's a week. Yeah, Saturday, Saturday of next week. Mm. Next yeah. week. Yeah, I should probably do something about that. Anyway, carry on. So I'll just have a little drink. <laughs> wet the whistle. <laughs> wet one's Don't whistle. say things like wet the whistle because <laughs> she'll put you on the same list as that poor train driver that she fucking hates. <laughs> Oh, true story. <laughs> oh, it was six of the evening and one of us was parched. I had wet one's whistle. <laughs> right, okay, here we go. Christmas is just round the corner, which uh, means many of us will have already decked the halls with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 la. And (laughs) 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 that's not written down. That was purely improvised. (laughs) Um, Disgusting um, Christmas spirit. Many of us have already put. We've already put up our Christmas trees. When we go out, the streets glimmer with the warmth of yellow, yellow fairy lights, Christmas lights everywhere. You might. Be doing your weekly shop in the supermarket when you catch yourself humming to the favourite tune of your Christmas songs that we all tend to hear all the time. Did you write this, Becky? Because it's very poetic. It is a little bit, isn't it? I did steal some of it, but tried to put them as much as possible in my own words. And I'm not used to reading writing like this, which is why I keep stuttering. No, no, it's very poetic. I feel like I'm there. Do you? Yeah. Christmas carols and songs are a must for the festive season and when we speak of Christmas songs, you could be reminded of Kirsty McCall's beautiful voice, among others. Who? Who? Kirsty McCall? <laughs> that you'll know later. We, we could be reminded of... No. <laughs> what? When you think of Christmas songs that are always on the radio, what songs do you think of? No, oh, 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 I don't oh, oh, oh. want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. <laughs> are you going to do the story about the singer that did the um, the Pogues? Yeah, is that what? Yeah, oh, that's yeah, fun. The Pogues fairy tale of New York. Fairy tale of New York. The cracking song. Yeah. Bloody marvellous. Yeah, it usually is. I think it's the second. Most well-known or played Christmas song just behind Mariah Carey, which you've just been singing. Um, <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With an awesome backing singer, I must say. That's beautiful. Well done. So, Kirsty, I'll just make sure that that didn't destroy my recording. No, it's fine. 
So Kirsty. Yes. Or <laughs> <Yes. laughs> well, Destiny was just like, no, fuck ah. this, I quit. Bye. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> right. So Kirsty was a British singer songwriter who was born on the 10th of October 1959. Her father, Ewan McCull, was a well known folk singer where her, while her mugger, m- mugger? Mother. <laughs> very different things (laughs) while her mother Jean Newlove was a dancer so growing up under the spell of music Kirsty soon made a niche for herself in the music industry as well as many people's hearts like I said earlier one of her most most admired songs is Fairy, Fairy Tale of New York a Irish folk ballad by the Pogues, which featured uh, Kirsty on the vocals. It was it was released in 1988. It became a one of the most well known Christmas songs and grew more and more irreplaceable with time. Ironically, the time of year which was supposed to be jovial for Kirsty's family and bringing bringing back happy memories of her achievements, it turned into a dark one extinguishing the light of her life and bringing unhappy memories to her family. Yeah, which is sad. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just do a... I wanted to... Because she's she was really... Apparently she was really, really, really nice lady. So this is where... This is what happened before she did the song with the Pogue. So in 1978, she was in a band called the Drud... The Drug Addicts Make a Record. Um, So record label executives were not impressed with the band, but really liked Kirsty, and subsequently signed her to a solo deal with them. So her debut solo single was called They Don't Know, which was released in 1979, and it peaked at number two on the Music Week Airplay chart. However, at the time there was a strike... A uh, so the singles couldn't be made, so they couldn't be sold in the stores. So it, it actually, consequently, because of that, it failed to appear on the UK singles charts. So it was number one, number yeah, number two oh, on the radio. That's a but shame. it, it blessed it, the singles could never come out. Um, she released more singles later on, and quite a, a few different songs, and then she. Uh, left left for the US and uh, tried to further her career over there. Kirsty was a very shy person and suffered from stage fright. And for a time, she didn't perform and preferred to work in the studio. She uh, also apparently wasn't that keen on the music business, business and how it can be your number one one second and then no one wants to work with you and it's very fleeting and... It's very unforgiving, isn't it? Yeah. She sounds like a real nice, yeah. like a normal person, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I think like in the music business, yeah, you either need a really good manager or you need to be a little bit ruthless to get up high. And I think she was just really nice and, you know, I think a little bit almost too nice for uh, for some of it. I think you have to be a little bit, like I say, a little bit well, lucky and yeah. ruthless with a lot of it and have good connections and stuff. 
Her career in the US, she was most recognised as the writer of the song They Don't Know, uh, when Tracy Ullman turned it into a tom- top 10 billboard hit, which went to number two in the UK charts. So in the top 10, I think number seven in the US charts and number two in the UK charts. Um, do you know oh. who Tracy Ullman is? No. <laughs> Apparently she's a well-known singer, but I'm, I don't know. I feel like we'll probably know her, but do we know her name? Yeah, probably not. Exactly. Also, with that song, uh, Kirsty also sung the backing tracks to it and provided some of the higher vocals that Tracy Ullman just couldn't hit because it does go quite high. So, okay, yeah. Kirsty went on to marry Steve Lillywhite and they had two songs together, Louis and Jamie. Nice. He wasn't just a husband, he was a manager, photographer, emotional support. <laughs> they were married, I think, for quite a while. I think it was over 10 years. And um, she re-emerged in British charts in December 1987, reaching number two with the single uh, fairy tale of the New York with the Pose. Pogues. Fuck me. Can't speak. This led her to accompany the Pogues on their British and European tour in 1988, uh, which is an experience she said helped her with her stage fright. That's good. I think it's uh, as well. It was, but it's a, I expect it's a little bit easier to be on stage when you're with a band and with other people. Than yeah, you've got you, that support, haven't you? Yeah, than when you just it's just you and you're singing by yourself on stage. In 1994, Kirsty and Steve, Lily, uh, well, I've put Lily Shite instead of Lily White. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, Lily White, divorced. So she was single for quite a while after that. I think she just uh, needed to find herself, find what she wanted to do. Uh, she used her newfound freedom to explore a new sound for herself she went and spent some time in latin america lots of time a lot of time in cuba and brazil getting a new sound together um she eventually met a new guy called james knight who played the saxophone and played uh along with her on her live shows when she did uh live performances she was really, really happy. She had her two sons, new boyfriends. She was enjoying performing more and more. She released a new album in March 2000. She called this the new start to the second part of her life. Bless her. Yeah. That sounds poetic. Yeah. So after participating in a BBC radio programme in Cuba, uh, Kirsty travelled to Mexico in two. December 2000 with her two sons and her then boyfriend, James Knight, which I mentioned earlier, for a vacation. On the 18th of December, she and her sons went diving in the uh, Chacanab Reef. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce that. In the National Marine mm-hmm. Park of Cosmel, they went within the group was the local vet veteran dive master Ivan Diaz. So they'd just been diving there. So it was just Kirsty and the two boys, and then this diver, diving, uh, what, instructor? diving, diving instructor, yeah. Louis 
One of my sources to this was a um, a documentary. I'll say, I think it was um, Who Killed Kirsty McCall. It was a 2004 documentary. Anyway, it's interview- interviewed um, Louis, the younger son, uh, who at the time was going on 14, and his older brother, Jamie, was 15. And Louis said that he'd had a bad feeling before they went. He thought something was going to happen. He said that he thought his older brother, Jamie, was going to hit his head and something was going to... I think it was just that, you know, anxiety before you do something like diving. Um, yeah, you kind yeah, of, yeah, You know, you fully know what I mean <laughs> with things like that. As with other diving areas, this was restricted to water vehicles. Um, so the boats and jet skis can go on one part of the water and any divers and swimmers are on a separate part. To avoid uh, to avoid accidents, collisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after their dive, the small group was surfacing, and uh, then just as the, at the moment they that they all came up, a motorboat entered the um, restricted area at high speed. Kirsty turned around and spotted the boat rushing towards them. And she dived in front of her eldest son, Jamie, pushing him out of the way of the danger. But in turn, she was struck head on by the boat, causing... bloody hell. Yeah, causing fatal chest injuries. She died instantly in front of her two teenage sons. That's awful. Jesus Mm. Christ. Yeah. The... Diving instructor Ivan would let her say that he thought that the boat was just going to speed away. It didn't look like they were slowing down, but they did. There were other boats nearby-ish that had seen the accident that were shouting to the other boat to to come back. So, you know, they had been spotted. The boat came around and was, like, circling them, but they never stopped to try and help. And Kirsty was visibly... Um, dead. dead, but they. I don't know that them boys must have been. You know, it must have been an awful sight. You just you'd do anything to help. They just did not attempt to help at all, and they were keeping about a fifty. You know, about they said that they were staying about fifteen feet, and I have no idea what that is in meters. Um, but that's not too far away. So they were just there, oh, but not, they did fifteen not, feet's not very far at all. No, so they were just there, but not doing anything to help at all. I had in my mind, Becky, that she was decapitated by by this boat. Was she not decapitated? No, it was her chest chest injuries. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think she was quite damaged, but um, I didn't want to look too much into that because I just think, oh, and the documentary I, I watched was with her sons and everything, and I didn't really want to look what what was what too much what happened to their to their poor mum. <laughs> No, um, no, but yeah, um, yeah but yeah, I think there was. I thought before reading this, I thought it was a jet ski that hit her on the back of the head. So yeah. I think there were a lot of rumors going around about it. But yeah, all the sources that I had was the same thing that she got hit and well, she got run over by the boat, and it was mainly chest injuries. The powerboat involved in the collision was controlled by Guillermo Gonzalez Nova a multimillionaire president of the Commercial Mex- Mexicana, which is, you know, like the top, the big four in, in England, the big supermarket chains. It's a bit like yeah. one of them. 
Okay. So you can imagine how much money he has. So he was on board with members of his family. Uh, when they arrived back to shore, Guillermo González Nova told the dive master Ivan that he was in the control of the boat when the accident happened. But weirdly, the story would be changed later because he, one of his um, employees that was also on the boat, called José Senyam, would come forward come forward to say that he was actually in control of the boat at the time of the incident and that he was travelling at a speed of one to two knots and outside of the protected area. Yeah. Eyewitnesses say that José Senyam was not in the control of the boat at the time and the boat was travelling in a, the restricted area at much faster than what they say at the speed of about 15 knots. I have no idea how fast a knot is, but apparently 15 knots. You know when you see a speedboat speeding yeah, yeah, on yeah, the water? Yeah. That's well, speedboats are fast. Coming. Like, they are yeah, fast, they are they? fast. I mean, yeah. obviously, the name would suggest as much, but they really are. Yeah. I mean, they on the documentary that I watched uh, was mainly about the mum coming over to the area of the accident and trying to get justice and everything. Yeah. It was really, really sad. It was not very nice there. Well, it, was, it was nice. It was a good tribute to her life, but it was quite some sad parts, obviously. Yeah. Eyewitnesses were very surprised at the portmaster and the police's uh, um, relaxed attitude towards what happened. Eyewitnesses had to wait over 24 hours to be interviewed. Many of them were never called in for questioning. So, oh. are they just mm. like trying to fob this off? Like, yeah, it, it definitely. So, it's very, very. I mean, obviously, we only the had the who, side. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the guy that was driving the boat is like multimillionaire. Yeah, and he's and... letting. It sounds like he's letting his employee take the blame. Well, he's pay. Mm. I would imagine he's paying his employee to take the blame. I think you might be right. Mm. Sounds that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Ivan, the driver instructor, said that he waited, like I said, over 24 hours to be interviewed. And the police said, well, if you want, just sign this piece of paper and then we'll fill it in later. And he said, absolutely not. I'm not just signing a piece of paper, my witness statement, and letting you fill it in afterwards. That's not how that works. That is very, very sketch. So Jose Senyam was found guilty of culpable homicide and was sentenced to two years and ten months in prison. Fuck, that's fuck all. It gets worse. He was allowed under Mexican law to pay a punitive fine of 103... How do you say that? Pesos? Is it pesos? Pesos. Pesos. Pesos? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That sounds right. About 63 euros or 61 pounds or about $90. Yeah. And what does that In- get him? Instead of a pr- prison sentence. You're fucking kidding oh, me. Oh, okay. 60 euros. He had uh-huh. to pay... He killed someone. He had to pay 60 euros. Yeah. And he didn't go to prison. Yeah. You either pay the fine and don't go to prison or you go to prison. 60 cool. euros. Yeah. And that's what her mum, bless her, had to tell her 
Kirsty's sons, the grandma had to tell Kirsty's sons that her life was worth 63 euros. So that's shocking. He was also absolutely disgusting. Absolutely. I was so, so shocked. I know that whoever whoever it happened to, I knew that it didn't they didn't get a lot, but I didn't think it was so little. That's just nothing. That's a that's a I don't know. That's nothing. And anyway, it's he nothing. no. no. Sure. He um was also ordered to pay approximately uh, $2,150 in restitution to uh, Kirsty's family. $1,000? Yeah. Uh, 2150 Oh, 2000 Oh, whoop-de-doo. What's that, about 1,500 euros? I reckon so, About yeah. 1,300 quid, something like that. Um, Not a lot, is it? No, and this amount along with the 60-odd euros, is based on his wages. So imagine how much the multimillionaire would have had to pay. Which is why... Which is why, apparently... He wanted him to take the rap. A lot of um, people who later spoke to Jose Senyam said that uh, after the killing, he admitted to receiving money to take the blame. Allegedly, yeah. of course. Duh. Yeah. So, this launched a. Yeah, Kirsty's family launched a Justice for Kirsty campaign in response to the events surrounding her death mm. and the complete lack of investigate. well, apparent lack of investigation and prosecution of people that they see was were the people that caused the her death. Her. Mum, she went for years just trying to get trying to get um, justice. justice. I mean, when she went back to Mexico in two thousand and four for this documentary, she was already in her eighties and was losing her sight. Oh, bless she uh, sadly died in two thousand and seventeen. Um, Did she without... ever get any justice? No, not really. They kept going back, but I don't know what the rules are like over there. A lot of, They had a private investigator. Before the trial happened, they had a f- private investigator go around, but barely any of the evidence he had gathered was shown in court. They wouldn't accept it, or it just happened to not be taken there. The man that we spoke about earlier, Gonzalez Nova, died at the age of 92 from natural causes in 2009. So was he the guy that took the blame? No, he was the one that apparently was allegedly was driving and then... So he was well old when he did it anyway? Yeah. Money though, wasn't it? That's it. Yeah. And um, so after 2009, Kirsty's mum said that she would be, like, terminating her Justice for Kirsty campaign because it was unlikely that any more could be achieved. And the yeah. campaign's remaining funds were to be divided between two charities, the Casa Alanza Mexico and the Cuba Music Solidarity. And um, yeah. they said that that's something that what Kirsty would have approved of. And then, yeah, that's about it. There's, uh, there's nothing really much happy to, to end it on. That's terrible. I think I saw yeah, that her, her son, Jamie, I think he manages... Um, Oh, what's her name? 
that that good woman that sings "Love Me Like You Do." Ellie Goldin, he manages her. Okay. Oh, cool. So he stayed in the music business, and I don't know what Louis does, but I didn't want to pry too much. I don't think there's not too much on them on the internet. I think they are reasonably private, and I didn't want to pry. To, you know, I didn't want to pry too much into what they're doing today. But yeah, that's the sad but heroic story of Kirsty McCall. I mean, Mama oh, Bear, so. Mama Bear saved her baby. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, apparently they came up, they turned around, and it was there. So she instantly just chucked herself and pushed him out of the way. So it's just in so. instinct, I think, definitely. Oh, and, 100%. Uh, and love oh, for her sons. Yeah. Bless her heart. That is very, very sad and disgusting. Yeah. Again, one bloke, rich, just gets away with fucking murder. Yep. Thing is, like you say, he was old at the time. He was a dinosaur. He could have literally gone. They wouldn't have sent him to prison anyway. I don't know. No. But he at least would have. Not like they, you know, not like money's anything or everything, but. It would have been some justice for the right person to be charged for it rather than just let the poor employee take the rap. It's just such a massive slap in the face for the family to say, you know, 63 euros and you're good, off you go. That's yeah. disgusting. Absolutely 63 shocking. euros, 60 that quid. Poor family. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's shocking, isn't it? It's the anger, having to live with that every day. Just think about it randomly and get really angry about it. Again. You would though, wouldn't yeah, you? Can yeah, imagine. you'd never mm. get over that. Never. Mm. Well, thanks, Bex. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Merry Sorry fucking Christmas. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an episode, girls! It's been emotional. It's yeah. been a roller coaster. Yes, it has. I have no idea what it's going to sound like once it's edited. I will do my best. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. I pray for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, once everyone, once you've edited it, everyone won't know that we had a big, loads of problems with sound and internet cutting off and all this. It'll just be very smooth, and no one will know. No one will know. <laughs> no one will know. So, to repeat ourselves once again, if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can. It's Spine Chillers and Serial Killers, and you'll see our little logo, and you can follow us on there. Um, we have an Instagram page, which is run by Tash. Tash, the Instagram is... S-C-S-K underscore podcast. And then there's also the email address if you want to email in your own ghost stories or any home... Your, any of your local murder stories, and that's chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. Absolutely, 100, 100%. Indeed. And please rate, review, share, like, whatever whatever's available, um, just to help us out, get us out there a bit more, because as I say, we ain't going nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right then, girls. All right. Until next time, everyone, stay safe. Don't kill people. And keep it weird. Bye. Bye. Bye.